The following podcast contains spoilers and words that my mother would prefer I did not say. We watch Hello everybody and welcome back to We Watched A Thing. You've got Billy in your ears, but this week you have an extremely special guest. It's a great friend of the show. I've been waiting for so long to have him on and finally he's here. It's Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast. How you doing, mate? Extremely special. Wow. You are <laughs> extremely special. This is- I didn't know that was coming, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Two adjectives. Uh, Billy, I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. We just did an episode of my show right before this, and uh, there's nobody I'd rather spend two hours with than you. Well, maybe uh-huh. my wife, but she won't do that with me anymore, so <laughs> you'll have to do. <laughs> How are you, man? Mate, I'm great. It's really good to have you here. I love your show. It's just a lot of fun, and it was so great to finally guest on it. So, I mean, I'll yeah, plug thanks. that now. We just did a uh, top five spooky TV shows that'll be coming out start of October. That's right. Yeah, first week in October. I, I, every year, I do this horror theme where every episode is horror related, and I can't help myself as a horror fan. So, you came yeah. on graciously, and you did the first one, which will be the first week. So, this will air before that, I assume. This so, will this Thursday. Yep. Yeah. So the first week in October, um, you know, tell Siri or whatever, but yeah, <laughs> come over there and check uh, me and Billy out talking about spooky TV shows. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so you, you reached out to me, you graciously asked me to come on your show and I said, well, Hey, would you like to, while we're doing it, do an episode over here? And I let you pick the movie. Do you want to tell people what you picked and what we're going to be watching this week? Yeah, man. You know, I really battled with what to pick because we, you know, I think it kind of started because uh, Wednesday, the Netflix series is coming out and Tim Burton's kind of back in the conversation, if you will, pop culture wise. And I'm a huge Tim Burton fan. If I was doing my personal Mount Rushmore of filmmakers, he would be on there. Like he's right. easily easily in my top five filmmakers. And that's even with all the quote unquote shit that he's done in the last <laughs> yeah. uh, ten years or so. But yeah, uh, even with all that, like I'm just such a huge fan of his catalog. And yeah, I said, well, man, and I, you you threw a few at me that you had never done, and I'm like, oh my god, you've never done any of these? Like these are so <laughs> so special to me. I didn't know what to pick. Yeah, but hopefully you'll have me back whenever you talk Edward Scissorhands or Batman Returns. But tonight we're doing Batman, 1989's Batman. Yes, we are. Oh, mate, we sh- we should definitely do Edward Scissorhands at some point. Oh, for I, sure. It's. I'm not going to lie to you. I was a bit when you said to me, uh, Tim Burton's one of my favorites. I was like, oh, really? Because I'm not a massive Tim Burton. Oh, fan. wow. Okay. Um, Interesting. But- Edward Scissorhands was one of the few that I remember really liking, but I've only seen it once. I was nine years old and I bawled my eyes out so hard. Yeah, no, it's good, <laughs> man. It's really like, good. Yeah, like I, because I'm a crier at the best of times and that movie, something in it broke me. <laughs> like, right. I remember to this day that I was eating from this place called Arnold's Ribs and Pizza, this kind mm-hmm. of local franchise here. Mm-hmm. I haven't eaten since. I can't eat that food because it makes me cry just oh, thinking wow. about that movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you know, I mean, Edward is a, is a touching story about being different, right? I mean, that's, yeah. essential, that's essentially what it is at its core and, you know, uh, love and loss. And I really, like I said, I really, really battled with like, well, what do we talk about? But in my mind, like, I wanted to help you out too, Billy, because I'm like thinking, what podcast has not talked about Batman 89? <laughs> and I guess it's we watched a thing, you know? So, yeah, like, yeah. let me help you out here. But, um, 
I tell you, man, it's 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 it was a really hard choice for me because this one, uh, Batman Returns and Edward Scissorhands are all like top top tier. Uh, yeah, Tim Burton for me, so it was tough. But I feel like this one is probably his most iconic, um, and I feel like it like really. It, in other words, if you were like, you know, what's Tim Burton got in the game when it comes to like changing cinema, you know, and yeah. changing like movie going you know i feel like it's batman 89 yeah for sure for sure all right well let's get into it then batman is a 1989 superhero film based on the dc comics character of the same name it's produced by john peters and peter goober and of course is directed as by you said tim burton it stars jack nicholson michael keaton kim basinger robert wool pat hingle billy d williams and jack palance and what is it about gerald well, you just told us what it's about, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's essentially it's essentially about Batman's kind of like it's not his origin story, but it's an introduction to how he's protecting Gotham and his most kind of notable villain and nemesis is the Joker, and we yep. get we get introduced to their rivalry in this film, and uh, like I said, it's Batman kind of protecting Gotham from the Joker, and that's his ultimate goal in this movie. Yeah, nice, nice. Let me ask you this. I know that you're a little bit older than me. Do you remember when you first saw this movie? Did you Were you old enough to see it when it came out? Dude, uh, one of the reasons I actually chose this is because I was 14 when this movie came out. And right, yeah. There was a movie theater. Uh, I'll never forget, actually. It's on Sardis Road in Charlotte, North Carolina. And... Uh, my parents dropping me off there. And the reason I'm bringing that up to you is because that was my first kiss was after, oh, this, was after this movie. Mate. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Right. Uh, but a young lady named Kathy that uh, I've lost touch with, but you know, we were in middle school at the time and yeah, we, we shared a kiss after this film outside after in outside the movie theater. But I'll never forget it, A, for that reason, but B, because, I mean, this was like the pinnacle of like kind of almost like Jaws in 75, where it's like yeah, blockbuster, yeah. like everybody, like lines around the theater and, uh, you know, because we didn't have social media back then, you have to remember. So, yeah, yeah, you know, word of mouth and just the excitement and the buildup for just this character that had been embedded in our minds from a pop culture and like comic book perspective. And I'm talking about Batman and the fact that it was going to be on the big screen, you know, before this we had the Christopher Reeve Superman films and yep. you know, a couple others, but like, I mean, there was nothing on this scale, dude. And that's why I had to pick this film is because, yeah. you know, the Tim Burton kind of bias aside, like it really, started what we now take for granted i feel like as a, as a society in the superhero movie on the 100%. big on the big screen you know and, yeah. and i'll never forget it for that reason i mean these days you could walk into a cinema kick a stone and you're likely to hit a poster for a superhero film right but you're absolutely right this was like i think that the kind of modern superhero film was kind of rebirthed by the sam raimi spider-man films mm-hmm is there was a bit of a gap, and this kind of kicked off a bit of a a gothic superhero film. And you know, we got Dark Man not long after this. I think Crow. We got Spawn, The Crow, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're absolutely right. This was like this was a massive deal. Obviously, I 
I wasn't old enough to see this when it came out, but this was still 100% the first Batman film that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, were you an established Batman film, uh, a, an established Batman fan prior to seeing this? Like, were you yeah. a reader of the comics at all? Or? Yeah, that's what made it special because my dad, you know, and I think about my son now. We talked about this on my show when we recorded earlier, but, you know, my son's going to be nine next month. And, uh, it, I was around the same age, maybe 10 years old, maybe a little bit older. But, my de- you know, back then in the 80s, it was like, what can you bribe your kids with? <laughs> you <know? laughs> so now I bribe my kids with screen time or, you know, video games <laughs> or a trip to the arcade or whatever. But, you know, yeah. back then for me, my dad would take me to the comic book shop once a week. And I remember there was liter- there was literally one in our town. Yeah. Um, that sold comics, and we went there uh, once a week, and he would let me pick out a comic. And I tended to always pick out the Batman comics, and they were a little bit darker. And I, I can re- remember my mom like, "Why'd you let him get this? Like, you know, he's he's killing people. <laughs> like, it's super dark, you know." <laughs> yeah. But it was either always that, or I, I did like Spider Man too back in the day. So it was one or the other, but. You know, I did have that connection too, but it was funny because at 10, 11 years old, like I was getting these comic books almost as a connection with my dad, but I, I never really read them. Does that make sense? Like, I just collected them, but like I didn't take them (laughs) home and read them, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I did have that fond memory as well. And then three, four years later to be like, oh shit, like this is going to be on the big screen. And uh, I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know who Tim Burton was at the time. Like. Michael Keaton, I'd seen him Mr. Mom and like whatever, but I didn't like know at 14 years old that what I was walking into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did have a somewhat of a connection to it. Well, let's get straight into it then. And let's start, I reckon, with Burton and the kind of aesthetic of the film. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is a fucking great looking film. And I think tonally, this is still one of the best superhero films to date, I think that this balances the the kind of comedy and silliness that inherently comes with a character like this, along with the grid. Like you said, he's shooting people, he's killing people. Like it's, I think it balances all that really, really well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's easily. I mean, this this depiction of Batman is easily one of my favorites because, like, it shows the duality of like him dealing with. Uh, ultimately just being alone in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's really what the tragic kind of origin of like Bruce Wayne and Batman is, is that he is like sacrificed basically having essentially any kind of life so that he can protect the city that he loves. And that's the, yeah. kind of the essence of the character. And I feel like Burton knew that and kind of in a, in a weird way kind of also feels that way as a filmmaker, that, you know, because he has this kind of like emo like reputation where he's like also kind of a loner. And, you know, if you were looking at like Batman as a superhero and you look at Tim Burton as a filmmaker, it's kind of like apples to apples. And I feel like that's why he was perfect for these first two films that we got on the big screen and this one in returns. And he really, in a way, almost told his his story through the Batman character while also kind of incorporating all the things that we loved about the character if you read the comics. Yeah. But I, I agree with you 100%, man. Like, you know, Burton just really created it. And he has his own style. Like, 
Yeah, definitely. You, he's one of the very, very few filmmakers, and I could count them on one hand, where you could go in blind and like watch a movie and know it was his. Yeah, you know, yep, like or 100%. at least or at least guess and be pretty close. Like he just has this certain aesthetic and environment that he builds in his movies that are pretty constant throughout his filmography. And he, he just has those idiosyncrasies that he goes back to. And, you know, there's there's very few filmmakers where um, you just know their work because they're so unique. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. feel like even with a character like Batman, he was still able to, to, to display that. Yeah, definitely. It's true. It's like the the color palette of the film and, and the cinematography, the the way that the city of Gotham is a character in this film. Right. In ways that I I still don't think we've seen really in other Batman films to to this extent. I agree. Where where you really the world building is fantastic. Even simple things like the smoke and steam everywhere. Mm. Like that just really sells it as a real city while also just quite frankly looking really cool. <laughs> right. I just right. Think it's it's really well done. Right, I agree, you know, um I think that and I love the version that came out this year. Uh, as well with with Pattinson, yeah. And there's been some other ones that I, I honestly, if I'm being honest with you, every Batman movie that's come out since this movie, I've enjoyed on some level. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know that they've necessarily risen to the Burton level for me personally, but I've liked them all. Like I've never seen one and been like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that with this one and with Returns. Burton did do what you just said. He really made it a point to make Gotham an integral part of the characters that we see in the movie, as opposed to some of the later iterations where it's like, it's taking place in Gotham, but there's nothing to really show us that, like yeah. other than them just saying it or it being a title card. But this movie and Returns, you know, and part of that is the way he builds worlds when he makes movies, but we just we we can't help but like I mean, we see it, it's right in front of us. So he's really presenting it to us as a as a character. I agree with you. I, I've gotta ask because I mean, obviously you love this film. So I'm assuming that you love Keaton as Batman. Is is he Batman to you? He, you know, he is. A lot of people ask, you know, who's your Batman? Who's your Superman? This and that. I mean, he's my Batman. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that it's a bit unfair because who, you know, when you grow up and when you're impressionable, that's going to be the one that's going to stick with you. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I was 13, 14 years old when these movies started coming out. And that was the first realization off of the comic book page that I had seen of this character. Yeah. Now, you know, my son hasn't seen these yet, but, you know, let's say he's 12 years old and I introduce him to the DC EU as it is now, yeah. you know, maybe Ben Affleck will be his Batman. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just like, yeah. or, or a blockbuster comes out and we go to the theater to see it, you know, and that's what's impressionable yeah. on him. Like, you know, equally, I'll tell you, you know, like Miles from Spider-Man, that's his Spider-Man. I mean, I don't, yeah, he, yeah. he didn't tell me that, but if I ask him that, that's probably what his response is going to be because we saw the Spider-Verse in the theaters a couple of years ago and like, yeah, you know, he read those and like, he's very impressionable right now in his life. So yeah, it's a no brainer for me. I'm not necessarily comparing 
Batmans and like, you know, Kilmer versus like Keaton and all, all that stuff. Like I could tell you who I think did better at, you know, this and that, but like at the end of the day, like that's my Batman because that's the one that really made the, the biggest impression on me as a young. Yeah. Sport. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I think Keaton is fantastic in this film. I think, I don't think it's necessarily his performance or anything, but I think the writing of the film, I think that this is the best iteration of both Batman and Bruce Wayne. Right. I think there's yeah. some other films that have had really good Batmans, but I haven't liked the Bruce Wayne characterization. Yeah, or so the much. other way around, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a problem with every kind of superhero, you know, like it was the same with the Spider-Man films. Like I thought Tobey Maguire was a, a great Peter Parker, but not a great Spider-Man, for right. example. Right, right. With this, I just think that it's just the way they've characterized it. I think he's really, really great in both of those shoes. And I think that's what makes me love this film so much is that it's not just a Batman movie. It's, it's a Bruce Wayne movie too. And I think Keaton understood that, man. I think he, and I agree with everything that you just said a hundred percent. I think that as an actor, he understood that. And he said, look, you know, I'm this quirky billionaire who is kind of absent minded but but very intelligent at the same time, and I'm kind of getting my way through business. And I'm doing these different deals, and like I'm kind of fumbling through it, and I'm successful for a reason. But you know, when I put on the cowl and like, I you know I want to save the city, like he's just a different, like it just transforms him uh, to a different yeah. person. And I feel like that speaks a lot to Michael Keaton as an actor. Like he really was able to to do. He really essentially played two different people. In, in this, in these movies, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there's Batman, which is a very reserved, serious, um, you know, and then you have Bruce Wayne and his Bruce Wayne is very comical and kind of like slapstick almost, which is yeah. crazy because it's two completely different personalities that he has to embody. And he's yeah. such a phenomenal actor. Like, you know, if I was doing my top 10 actors of the last like 20 years, I feel like Keaton would have to be in there. Like he just yeah. really, he can do comedy. He can do drama. He can obviously yep. do action. Uh, I, you know, he he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's a very very good actor. I feel like a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, you look at some of his recent performances, Birdman. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, I loved him as the Vulture in Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, dude, he was really good. That, and that's the thing; he's been one of the best on screen heroes, and now one of the best on screen villains as well. And sympathetic, <laughs> like, and sympathetic. Yeah. You know, and. and as the vulture, it's interesting that you mentioned that one because I remember watching that going, well, this is a callback to his yeah. portrayal of Batman because it was very sympathetic. In other words, you could very, I could very easily see had Batman not been a DC property and just been a, you know, ex superhero or whatever you want to fill in the blank, yeah. that character turning into what the vulture became in, in that yeah. Spider Man film. Like he, he really did, um, kind of call back to his roots in the superhero genre, I felt like, in that movie with Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Right, let's get onto the villains in this film then. Yeah, um, dude. I mean, fuck me, this is a great Joker, I oh think. Oh, my God, dude. How fucking good is this? Yeah. Jack um, Nichol- I think this this honestly might be my favorite Jack Nicholson performance. Wow. Um, yeah, like- you know, it's, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting, like, I'm sitting here like, oh, my God, what was I saying? <laughs> But you know what? I, I think I might agree with you. I, I mean, I really, really, uh, I just can't get over my love for him and A Few Good Men 
and his portrayal oh, yeah, and, yeah. and that yeah, movie I mean, is kind of like the anti you know antagonist anti-hero yeah. kind of guy um but yeah i mean think about it dude like it's it's weird because when i talk to you about this i'm sure the dark knight's going to come up in the nolan films and i love those as well and yep. heath ledger and all of it but like think about an 89 like there was no on-screen depiction with the exception of the 60s tv show yeah caesar romero yeah which i also love by the way yeah same yep i mean it's a lot it's a lot campier and i'm sure yeah this one straddles that ground like i said i think tonally this entire film does i think balance Mm -hmm. is really nice between the camp and the grit but um, i mean nicholson was a genius choice Uh, yeah i mean it's just like what are we gonna do guys like we have arguably the most iconic villain uh in history one of at least and it's like what are we going to do how are we going <laughs> to yeah. display this in a two-hour movie and you bring in this this actor who in 89 was an oscar winner he was like yeah. considered one of the greatest of all time already in 89 and yeah. Yeah. you know it's like all right we're gonna we're gonna bring this guy here. we're gonna put makeup on him and he's gonna basically do his thing and he did i mean he was essentially jack nicholson i mean he you know, knew the comic and he studied it and he researched it. He knew what he was portraying, but like at the same time, it was like, I'm kind of this like madman who's almost happy that this tragedy befell me because now I can use it to, you know, take yep. over Gotham city and, uh, kind of almost as an excuse to murder and mayhem and do all these things. And, and the fact that it was Jack Nicholson behind that kind of quote unquote mask was just, I don't know. It was, it was tremendous at the time. Like, you know, I wasn't, I was too young to realize the impact of what I was watching. But when you yeah. look, when you look back on it now, like I was, I told you, I rewatched it last night for probably the 50th time or hundredth time. And like, it's just, yep. it's mes- like, I love Keaton in this, but to see what Nicholson does in this is just literally mesmerizing that he just reinvented an iconic uh, character in this movie yeah yeah absolutely and just elevates it so much like yeah i was exactly the same you know like you watch this movie as a kid you don't know who jack nicholson is you haven't seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest or you know any of those the shining for example like right. you don't know that he's this incredible actor you don't appreciate what you're seeing on screen right when i watched this last night it must have been the first time in at least 10 to 15 years that oh, i've wow. seen this movie yeah okay and I was so taken aback by just how good that performance was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's tremendous, man, because he, he borrows a little bit from the pages of the comic with a little bit of the campiness and the cheesiness. But, like, he brings such this, like, eerie, like, I don't know. It's almost like you're drawn, like, uh, it's like you feel safe. <laughs> but, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a weird, like... And he does as an actor in his portrayal and, you know, the scene when he fucking burns a guy alive with the, oh, how you great know, is that scene? He, yeah. and then everybody leaves and he's doing this monologue where he's like talking to the corpse and like, yeah, I don't know. You get a sense like he's, he is that character. He's the Joker where he can't really understand what's real and what's a world that he's created in his mind. And, yeah. You know, Nicholson did really phenomenal things with that character, I felt like. And, you know, it was a role that an actor of his caliber could have very easily, like, phoned in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just got yeah. the paycheck. But he yep. 
he made it a memorable performance that will never be forgotten by any Batman fan. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it must have been a massive deal at the time for a guy of this caliber to be doing, you know, and it's not even like superhero movies were a thing now. Like, you look at the MCU now and it's like, yeah, they can grab whatever actor they want. But, you know, I still think this. you look at Helen Mirren hopping in Fast and Furious and everyone was like, what are you doing? And she's not doing anything to elevate that role. I mean, I don't know how you could, but it's just kind of like a paycheck in a franchise film. But Nicholson didn't treat this movie like that at all. (laughs) No, he didn't. He really bought into the vision of Tim Burton, I feel like, and to the the lore of Batman. And, you know, he had a little bit of the Cesar Romero in there, and he had a little bit of what we envisioned would, if the comic book pages would come to life. But 80% of it was like him kind of doing his thing, you know, which is kind of like, Almost like if I had to put a tag on it, it would say like playful psychotic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Whereas you, you fast forward to the Heath Ledger portrayal and that was a much more like subdued kind of like demented, uh, yes. dark um, depiction. And I love both of them, but they're very, very different angles, you know? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I don't think I can talk about this movie without talking about and i get ragged on this all the time for bringing this up but i'm a score guy i love score and i think what danny elfman did here is to this day still the best superhero film score that we've ever gotten i think Uh, that this beats out williams superman score for me phenomenal absolutely phenomenal i've never thought about the rankings with those scores with john williams but i will never refute that what danny elfman this is danny elfman's best score oh absolutely man that's saying a lot because there's a lot of his shit that i really really love but yeah uh i mean just that opening sequence i texted you last night with a with a photo of me watching it (laughs) yeah chills bro i mean this this guy is like a seemingly boring sequence of letters on the screen and these weird black and gray images that we don't i mean it eventually ends up being a batman signal but yeah or symbol, but like just that roaring score and how it oh. elevates as you know, and it just builds tension and it's just so epic and yeah, speaks yeah. speaks to the legacy of Batman. It really does. It does, yeah, and it fits in with and and I think elevates the tone of the film as a whole. Like you you mentioned earlier with uh, Nicholson's performance about it feeling like the comic pages kind of brought to life. That's kind of how I feel about the entire look of this film yeah. is that it looks like a Batman comic. And I think that that is actually really, really hard to pull off without yeah. being cheesy. You know, like I think you think to like Ang Lee's The Hulk, um, mm-hmm. which lent very heavily into that and did a lot of kind of split screen and kind of panel type looks. Uh, and I think that this, without even having to do that, still evoked the feeling of the comics really well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, this was a, you know, it was almost like at times like the lights were off because it was so dark and I mean, in tone, but also just like cinematically, but I feel like that spoke to this character. I mean, if we're talking about Batman, this is a dark character that was lonely. Yeah. You know, he had this one friend in Alfred, and his family was gone, and 
Uh, you know, this this movie even touches on a relationship with Vicki Vale that would really be unheard of in the comics. Like, I mean, this, which I enjoyed, but, you know, this guy was like literally a loner. I mean, he was the, yeah. the epitome of that. And I think you're right. I mean, you've spoke to the tone of this movie beautifully where Burton and Elfman and everybody else that was kind of playing to the tone of the film, kind yeah. of like they got the brief, you know what I mean? They knew yeah. they knew the assignment. Yeah, and they're on the same page, which rarely happens. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about Vicky Vale. Where are you on the, the storyline in general and Kim Bro. Basinger? And- <laughs> First of all, uh, Kim Basinger was freaking hot and I did it, all right? So I'm just going to tell you. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, I feel like it was, um, it didn't need to be there. But, you know, in uh, foresight, it didn't didn't need to be there. But in retrospect, I'm kind of glad it was. Like, it gave us somewhat of a human element to Bruce Wayne in his relationship side. And we see it. I actually like it a little bit more in Returns with Selena Kyle. Um, But we see that kind of play out almost like that sitcom romance kind of banter. Um, plays out a little bit in both movies, but I like it a little bit more in Returns. But I do like that that foundation is kind of set here with Vicky Vale, and we see that he is kind of searching for quote unquote the one or a you know a relationship, and that's not what plays out in the comics. Unless you're talking about Catwoman specifically, which is another reason why I probably like the Selena Kyle story a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, it does give us a uh, an unexpected new layer to Bruce Wayne, I feel like. And, you know, for that reason, I really enjoyed it. And I love Kim Basinger. And like I said, she's hot as AF, <laughs> AF in this. Um, so, yeah, I th- I, I'm okay with it. I mean, it didn't need to be there, but I'm okay with it if that sums it up, I think. Yeah, you're right. I've never really thought of it that way, but you're right. It really does. Without it, you are kind of missing that extra layer of characterization on on Bruce Wayne. And yeah, you're right. That's completely fair. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is a perfect film. I do think there are some some weird moments that what? maybe held up what? better in the 80s. But Hold on. I mean, what? Like, <laughs> I didn't know I was getting into this now. I thought I was talking to somebody who knew this was a perfect film. <laughs> There's a lot of kind of weird musical moments for me. Sure, just, yeah. You know, sure. they pop up and you sit there for kind of sure. five minutes going like, what the fuck is happening now? Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't, uh, you know, we chose Batman 89. Let me just ask you, I feel like this is a good segue. Do you like this one or Batman Returns better? I mean, I think it would almost be unfair for me to answer because much like I said, how I hadn't seen this in about 10, 15 years, it's probably about the same distance to Returns. Um, It's tough for me, man. You know, Batman Batman Returns is, uh, I mean, if you're looking at the act of, filmmaking the craft of filmmaking is probably a better film yeah um they do a lot of better things technically there's a lot more um like top tier actors like michelle pfeiffer and danny devito and christopher walken and you know the sets are a little bit better and like it's probably you know better made but yeah i i mean uh, let's just talk about this for a second. And, you know, if your listeners want to bash me, that's fine. But <laughs> we're, we're in 2022 and you look at all the MCU stuff, even the DCEU stuff, this, the stuff on Disney plus, like anything that is, 
is originated from like a comic book or a superhero lore is is successful and exists because of Batman 89. Oh, 100%. 100% uh, it does. Yeah. The reason that, you know, and what this movie did for it, it literally and I mean, you know, an argument could be made. I don't know which side I would be on as I'm sitting here talking to you to be honest, Billy, but an argument could be made for the Christopher Reeve superhero or Superman films. But I'm going to say Batman 89 is really what kind of created the superhero genre that we know today. Oh, I, I like, agree. I, I love the Superman films and I'm a giant Superman fan. But I think tonally they are kind of a different beast. Like they're nowhere near as campy, obviously, as the 60s Batman series. But I think there's a lot more kind of lightness to the Superman series. This kind of... This is what made the superhero genre, I think, more seen as something more serious, like not just for children. Right. I I must tell you right now, if Batman 89 had not, the movie we're talking about, had not been made and released in cinemas and and then therefore had not been successful, there would be no MCU. Absolutely. I'm just going to tell you, at least not as we know it today. That's That's my opinion. I wholeheartedly believe that. I agree. Even if this film was made, just if this film had failed, that would have been the end of superhero movies, I think. Yeah, we'd have got... You know, and it, another thing, and we didn't talk about this at the top, but and, and Billy, how, remind me, how old are you? I'm 35. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to be 47 this year. So yep. there's a bit of an age gap there, but let me just... Which actually makes this interesting. Uh, it makes this an interesting question, but... You know, why I have... <laughs> and I get bashed a little bit by Julio <laughs> and some other mutual friends of ours. But I have a I have a little bit of like superhero fatigue in oh. 20, in 2022. When Batman 89 came out, okay, and when the Superman films came out with Christopher Reeve, like we got a superhero movie like every few years. Every, yeah. you know, like 3 to 5 years. Now it's like 3 to 5 weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a different <laughs> yeah. show or movie and like they all connect and like you yeah. have to like but like it, it, it was an event, you know what I mean? Like it was like literally like you, you had to RSVP to an event and you had to be there, and yeah, there was just something different about it. And now it's been, you know, kind of like watered down to the. And I'm not saying there's not some good stuff. Like I'm really enjoying She-Hulk right now. That just came out, so yeah, you know, there's there's good stuff out there, and that's not what I'm saying. But it's just become us. We take it for granted as a society. I feel like. Oh, a hundred percent. I I agree with you completely. I've got mad fatigue, <laughs> right? right. I, and I haven't even seen every MCU film. Like I think, what are they up to now? Thirty something. I think I've probably seen over twenty. Um, I don't even know. I haven't seen the new Thor, um, but I don't know what number that was. But I haven't seen that when they came out this year. And I just started watching She Hulk, which I enjoy. Um, yeah. You know, if I'm trying to do that thing, Billy, where I'm like, I'm just going to watch it, and if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. You know, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna say I hate it because it's MCU. Yeah, uh, but I, you, you get what I'm saying though, where it's like Batman '89 came out, we didn't have anything what ten years before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, um, yeah, so it's just different, you know. Yeah. Well, and even you know, like Batman '89 was a success, but even then, it's like. 
they I still don't think they'd figured out that that was superheroes as a whole. Basically, through the 90s, we really just had Batman films. <laughs> you know, like, we had Batman Returns and then Forever and Batman and Robin. I don't think it was until basically Spider-Man in 2002 that they were like, all right, let's see if this works with another hero. <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And those movies were great. And, you know, the MCU was kind of birthed with Iron Man, which was also a great film. I think that was 08. Yep. And, and now, now it's just like you said, yeah, yeah three weeks, there's another hero. Yeah. And there's no looking back, you know, and Kevin Feige and those guys were like, all right, well, we're going to do this, but we're going to do a little bit different because we're going to connect everything. Yes. And everything's yeah. going to be good. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, if you live and breathe that, that's cool, but I don't have time to know who the first cousin <laughs> of every, you know what I mean? I just can't do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yep. But if you're looking at it on a like cinematic enjoyment level, I don't think we're ever as a society, and I, and this is not to take away from Fiji or MCU or anybody. I don't think we're ever as a society going to be able to get back to where we were in 1989 with this kind of like event based like we're we we have to go as a collective society to see something. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Especially, like, especially post COVID, and especially post the MCU TV series becoming a thing, I think that's when the fatigue has really set in for a lot of people. Like, I think back even to like, oh, I mean, e- even last December when the new Spider Man came out, I remember that kind of having a little bit of that feeling of being an event. Like, I remember right, the right. cinema being packed. And- yeah, and that was part COVID too. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I I, I I don't know. I guess we'll see. But I'll tell you what, you should come back in about six months or so and we'll do Batman Returns as well. Yeah, I'm down. I definitely have to rewatch it. (laughs) I'm down. I definitely battle with which one to pick. So maybe since I picked this one, we can do that one next time. For sure, man. Yeah, I'm down. all in all, how are you scoring Batman 89 out of 10? Is this Uh, a 10 for you? A fucking 10, bro. This is- Whoa. (laughs) This is the- (laughs) Anybody listening that's enjoyed the MCU or the DCEU, it's because of this movie. Like this, you know, you were right. I mean, it has flaws. I mean, there's, there's, it's not 100% perfect, but because of what it did for movies and because of what it did for me in my life. And wow, yeah. You know, I had my first kiss after this movie. Like, come on, bro. See, I, I love that story. To me, that, that's what the movies are about. You know, like things happen at the movies, you know, like, right. Like, the only three jobs I've ever had was in a cinema, a video store, and then working in film and television. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I remember that feeling of going to the movies or going to a video store and hanging out with your friends. And yeah, that's fucking awesome, man. That's great. Yeah, Yeah, it's easily a 10 for me, man. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah, I'm I'm a nine. I, I agree with you in a lot of ways. Like, I think that what this film did for the future of cinema was pretty impressive. I think that- Easily, this is my favorite Burton film. I think that, particularly thinking of the last kind of 20 years, I just am really low on Burton. But maybe I've got to revisit that because he clearly knows how to make a movie. Yeah, I, you know, wow. Um, not that you asked me this, but since I can have an er- internal battle on air. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's between Batman 89 Edward Scissorhands and Big Fish for me. Like, those are my top three Burton films. Um, yeah, right. Yep. They're all top for different reasons, really, which is weird. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. It's a three-way tie. Like, I love all those movies pretty much equally. Uh, maybe we'll do Edward at some point in the future, too. But uh, Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah he, t- you're welcome back anytime, Gerald. <laughs> thanks, thanks, brother. Yeah, he's one of my favorite filmmakers, and uh, I'm a bit of an apologist for him, but I'm really looking forward to the Wednesday series on Netflix. And Yeah, yeah. I'm keen to check that out as well. Are you an Adams Family fan? I am. In fact, I thought it might come up on our episode that we did for Spooky TV. I kept skirting around it a little bit, but um, yeah, I went on my friend Ashley's TV podcast and we did a retrospective of Adam's. Oh, the Rabbities. Yeah, Rabbit Ears. Yeah, we did yep. a retrospective of Adam's family, and I think that's a groundbreaking show too because it it really incorporates these horror elements, but it makes it like a sitcom. Yeah, which which yeah. you you don't really think about, but when you hear somebody say that or you see it on paper, you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. really what it did. And now it's like not a big deal, but in this, you know, in the '70s when they did that, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. So definitely, well, mate, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Batman '89. This has been a heap of fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. Can you tell everybody about Two Peas on a Podcast, where they can find you, what you do over there? Yeah, I guess, man. Uh, <laughs> if for no other reason, because you're going to be on soon. But yeah, um, we just do a top five countdown show. We have a lot of fun. We come up with a different topic every week, and I have a guest host come on to help me uh, count down our top fives in that category. Billy and I did top five spooky TV shows, which will be coming out in October. But we also do something, or we always do something in the movies, music, TV, pop culture. So check us out. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts at Two Peas on a Podcast, and uh, you can follow me over on Twitter too. It's uh, Two Peas on a Pod, and that's T W O spelled out. Yeah, nice. Highly recommend. It's it's a great time. Like you said, it's a countdown show, but because you do cover the whole spectrum of pop culture, like I would love to do like some music stuff on here at some point, but. You know, I, I I watch a thing. I don't listen to a thing. <laughs> I know. As, as we're talking, my next episode is actually top five Pearl Jam songs that one of my oh, nice. one of my patrons wanted to do. So we're going to be talking about Pearl Jam and doing that. But yeah, nice. I, you know, I just finished I, listening I, to your top five three hour film uh, yeah. episode, and, and I agree with you all the way. Titanic is one of my favorite films uh, of all time. Oh fuck yeah, dude! My heart will go yeah. on. I love that movie. Yes, it will. Fuck yes, it will. Yes, it will. Float <laughs> on the door, Billy. <laughs> so definitely definitely go check out gerald's show it's fantastic thank you for joining me and yeah we'll have to do this again sometime mate absolutely man batman returns is up next all right next week noosk uh my beautiful wife is going to be back on the show and we're going to be going and checking out Three Thousand years of longing new george miller film which i'm pretty excited for uh and in the meantime if you want to get in touch with me you can do that at we thing.com or we watch thing at gmail.com you can find me on facebook instagram and twitter all under the handle at we a thing if you want to help support the show you can do that at patreon.com forward slash we thing and i'll catch you next week